Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following is a presentation of the SpeedSport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Mark Thick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Thick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. Today's guest, Mike, a driver who has competed in off-road and stock cars. 
He's the grandson of Vegas gaming pioneer Jackie Gone and the son of Michael Gone, a hotel and casino magnate. The 2000-2001 NASCAR Winston West Series champion, 2002 Truck Series Rookie of the Year, 2003 Truck Series Most Popular Driver, inducted into the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame in 2022. He's run Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks, where his success included eight wins, 80 top tens, and three poles. He retired as a driver after the 2020 season. Welcome to the podcast, Brendan Gone. Brendan, say hi to Mike Wallace. Good morning, guys. And Mr. Wallace, thank you for having me, sir. Good morning, superstar. <laughs> Anytime I can talk to the Wallace family, I'm a happy guy. I had, had your brother out here for the South Point for 100 uh, uh, just, a, just a week or so ago, and, and so it, it's always a good day when I get to hang out with my favorite family. Well, I'll tell you what. As you know, and I've told you before, you and your family are some of the nicest people I've ever met. You guys are always so polite to everyone, and so uh, thank you for that. I mean that, and my family loves being around you. You are, uh, you know, you are the sidekick to my brother Kenny because you have such <laughs> good humor all the time. You're always upbeat, wide open, you know. And uh, if you're having a bad time around Brendan, it is only your fault. You know, you. Are, well, <laughs> I take that as a compliment too, because Ken, you know me. Like I said, I mean, come on. And no joking aside, I mean, Mike, we've you know between you and and your brother and Kenny, I've known the Wallace family over twenty something years, and and you got you know I remember when you used to help me when you were driving for Jim Smith, you know, you used to help me out in the old truck series days way back in the day, and you know Kenny was I, I take the Kenny thing as a compliment because you know uh, Kenny is has always been one of my favorite to just. Whether it was TV, whether it was racing, just he, Kenny and I have had a lot of great times together. Him, me, him, and hanging out with Schrader at the dirt tracks. So I, I, I love the I've, just the whole Wallace clan, man. It's been great to me. Well, we appreciate that very much, and uh, you know, as we said, your family is wonderful. But let's get to the, the whole purpose of the show and all the good things. We'll continue to talk great things about you and the the South Point. You know, real quick, you mentioned you had Rusty out there, but you had the South Point four hundred. I'm excited about that. You didn't just you didn't step away from racing. You you brought the casino name even to the racetrack for a race sponsor. How does that come about? Well, you got to remember, you know, people. We didn't just do racing for me to go race. The the race thing has been going on in my family since the '60s. Uh, my dad raced in the desert growing up. We've been sponsoring Indy cars since the 1980s. We sponsored NASCAR since the Truck Series was founded in '95. You know, we're we're actually still one of the longest running sponsors, pretty much left anymore. Um, if you if you take when we started in '95 with Walker, and we've had we sponsored race cars every year since. We still have Daniel Hemrick that we sponsor a couple races a year every year. Uh, we of course sponsor RCR, you know, and, and still take care of those guys. Anytime your you, your cousin Steve races, normally he's got South Point on it wherever he's at running. Um, you know, we 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 always that's your nephew, not your cousin. Um, your nephew, I Steve, we, uh, yeah, I'm like, wait, your nephew, <laughs> not your cousin. Uh, he, uh, but you know, we, the, the South point racing is our customer. That's the, it's, it's one, you know, racing and rodeo. Those are the two things that we do out here and the, they're our customer. They're what we cater to. It's what has kind of, my family is racers and we, we, we know what our customer likes and that's, that's their genre. So it works out really well for us. And when I retired, all it did was was free up money for everybody else to steal my money. So, so now <laughs> my dad dumped me in the off road. I'm paying my own bills, and and I'm like, hey, wait a second, how come this guy has South Point on it? I go, can I get that back on the race car? He goes, it's on your race car. I said, yeah, but you don't pay me. He goes, I know. Keep it on the race car. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, hey, let, let's the part of this story in this show that is so great is that thousands, 
probably millions of race fans know who Brendan Gaughan is. They've heard your name. They've watched you win races. They watch you go through that terror in the truck series where you, I think you won every Texas race there was for three or four years there. And, uh, but they don't know where you really come from. I mean, the people close to you know you, you grew up in Vegas maybe, but we'd like you to help us take the story <laughs> to the masses. How big a fan base we got, Jeff? Actually, the whole world is listening. <laughs> the whole the world. world. The there whole world listens to this podcast. Okay. You got so, the whole world. So no pressure because the whole world is listening, but how about you take us back and take uh, the fan base back to when you can remember when Brennan Gaughan got involved in motorsports in the, the first remembrance, and, and let's work our way through your career. Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for our family, it just started in the desert watching our daddy. You know, we're just kind of like, you know, you guys and, and your family. We just, it was a family fun sport. My dad raced in the off-road. Some people might remember the Mint for 100 or the Baja 1000, those, those sorts of races. My dad did those since the 60s. And growing up, we just watched dad race and, and got, to, got to go play in those things and, and have a good time watching dad play. Um, and then when I got old enough, my brothers used to ride with my dad in the desert. There are two seaters in the off-road a lot of times. You know, there's a driver and a co-rider. And my brothers got to race with them in high school. By the time I came along, my dad had been injured and wasn't racing. And so I was kind of bummed because I grew up down in Baja and, you know, always watching dad and can't, couldn't wait to race, hanging out with Walker Evans and the Mickey Thompson Stadium Racing Series stuff. And, you know, it was such a big part of my life to go watch. And I thought I'd at least have a chance to go play with dad. And so I, uh, I went and I fought behind my dad's back and helped build my first off-road car for the guy that used to work on my dad's car. And he had a son my age. Um, we were 15 years old, and, and we, we lied about our age to go race. And, and we raced our first race in, in what's called Snore. It's still around the, as an off-road series. And that's what I started in was just the deserts. So, and, so it was 15 years old, though, before you – did you do any racing before that of any type? Not really. I mean, we, we had toys. Um, Riley Herbst is a big name right now. Riley's grandfather was, was one of my dearest friends in the world, my, one of my family's dearest friends and partners. And Mr. Herbst built me my first little race car at 13 years old. Um, it was just a little thing to take to the dunes, a little uh, what you might call a, 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 a side-by-side nowadays, okay. but way, way different, way smaller, no suspension. The seat had shocks on it. The tires <laughs> didn't. Um, <laughs> And it was, it was more for the dunes. That was kind of my first little car. And then we used to, at, at like 14, the, the, the race team had used to do some go-karts. And so there wasn't great go-karting in this town. So before, at 14, we'd run a little bit of the go-karts around town. Um, nothing really serious. But at 15, we started racing the off-road. And then we built the go-kart track at, that is now gone from the Las Vegas Winter Speedway. They just took it out. But we built that track and then started racing go-karts really hard and started doing the off-road. And then I started doing sports car stuff and was, was all over doing sporty cars and, and teaching. And, and I really, at that point, I wanted to be an open wheel racer. Um, I loved the, the old, old IndyCar series from the early 90s. And that's what I grew up watching. My dad is friends with Rick Mears and Emerson Fittipaldi. And so I used to grow up watching them and watching the captain. And, you know, that was, the, that was what I wanted to do. And I was a different size back then, Mike. You know, a different like, size. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, now, now there ain't enough butter and margarine and Pam to squeeze me into an Indy car. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that was what I wanted to do. And I even got to do some, some driving, like test driving for Tom Goy when Robbie Gordon was there. And I was at Bondurant teaching and, and going to school, me and Johnny O'Connell. And, and 
you know, was running open wheels and the little Formula Fours and Formula Fours, and I was kind of going that direction, and that's what I loved to do, man. I was, matter of fact, uh, years later, kind of a foreshadowing, when I raced with Andy Lally the first time in 2010 at Montreal, Andy looked at me and says, you don't remember me, and I said, I'm sorry. He goes, you were my road course instructor in 1994 at Skip Barber. Really? And I, said, and I said, well, I must have been a hell of an instructor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brendan, it's amazing because I tell Jeff all the time, we, we're, what, on about 90 shows now we've done so far? Something like that, Mike. So, most, and most everybody is somebody that I know or I can call or get a hold of very easily. And I learned so much on this show that I didn't know. I didn't know you did all that road racing and all that instructing and all that stuff. I knew you were a good road racer, but I didn't know why. That's, that's cool. Yeah, that's where it came from. That's what I love to do at the start. And, and I, I went to college and, you know, I did my college basketball, college football stuff, but I raced at the same time. For oh, now tell Evans. us the college basketball, because you had a big story, some famous guy and you, you were on famous tell, guy, right? You were a famous guy with a famous guy or something. Yeah, no, I, I, I played. So most people don't know that Georgetown university, um, everybody's heard of the Hoyas and big John Thompson and the famous Hoyas and Patrick Ewing and Alonzo Mourning, the Kimbe Matombo, Allen Iverson, all those guys. Um, I played basketball for the Hoyas, but I got there to play football. Yes, they have a football team. Just another side note, we beat Fordham, the 15th-ranked team in the FCS two weeks ago, biggest win in, in the fo- in career for football at Georgetown. Coach Scarlotta, he was played football when I was there with me. So got to give a shout-out to my Hoya football team. Way to go. But, that did uh, not make the headlines, though. I didn't see it. Yeah. It, it, it did in our world. I just I, mean, you know, I was paying attention to it. <laughs> uh, but so, so I went there to play football and then ended up uh, playing on the basketball team for three years. And Allen Iverson was one of my responsibilities while I was there. That was um, I, I, Basically, my job was to shut him down every day in practice and beat him up and get him pissed off and get him out of his game and do everything I could. And, and Coach Thompson, I, I found a role in life. But I've said this, and you've actually probably heard me say this over the years, I, I'm, look, I'm, I'm spoiled. I'm lucky, Mike. I've got a great family. I've got a great father, a great mother. My grandfather was a great, great mentor to me. You know, I've had these great people in my life, but I would not be who I am today if it was not for John Thompson. And he mean he meant means still to this day. He's passed, but he means as much to me to this day as my dad does. He was that important to me. And if I would not be who I am if it wasn't for Coach, you know, and and you know, Mike, you and I it, you, look, our careers we've had ups and downs, right? We, you know, we got to drive for Penske's, and then we, you know, we've been all over the place, right? But things in life, when you're a kid, man, everything feels like it's the world, right? You're a, high, you're a high school kid. You're playing football, basketball, something, and you get hurt. and You think your life is over. You're 18 years old, and you think the world has ended because you can't do what you think you were going to do. And people don't – you know, it, 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 kids – you talk to these kids all the time. They're depressed from it. They don't know what they're – I got hurt in high school. I was an All-American football player, and I had scholarships to Notre Dame, Nebraska – Tennessee, big schools, and USC. My dad was mad I didn't go to USC. And, you know, I had all these scholarships, and I got hurt, and I lost all my scholarships. And so. Man, that sounds like racing, doesn't it? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Don't run into anything. Fire you. (laughs) That's right. See, that's that's it. You lost. That's the same same analogy. But the thing, what I tell people is, and, and you know this too, sometimes, sometimes you never know how life goes. If I, if I don't get hurt, I probably go to Notre Dame. And I play football, and I probably never end up as a race car driver. I probably never end up doing half the things I do in life, and I'm not the person I am today. But because I got hurt, I ended up going to football, play football at Georgetown. And because I got hurt, I played football at Georgetown, 
And then I ended up on the basketball team with John Thompson. And John Thompson is who really shaped me into who I am today. And, and I, I, so the day he passed, I, I was so lucky that I could talk to him anytime I wanted. I miss him so much. He, I miss him more than anybody else that's passed because I used to talk to coach all the time. And so the worst thing, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was getting hurt in high school. And I tell high school kids that all the time and they go, I don't get it. And I'm like, if, if it was not for getting hurt, I don't end up with John Thompson. So, you know, you may not get that ride. You may not get that sponsor. You may not be that football, basketball. You may not get that job you were thinking. It doesn't mean life is over. It just means there's a different direction and find out where you're supposed to go. So what position did you play in football? So in football, I was an All-American field goal kicker. But I came from a family of linemen, and I absolutely hated it. (laughs) And so because of that, I had to play all these other positions. I was a wide receiver. I was second-string quarterback. I was second-string running back. I played all these other things because I hated being the kicker. And looking back on it, and I enjoyed it more and had respected it a little more. Should I would have just played kicker and kicked the ball and made a lot of money. But instead, I had to get hurt doing other things. I've been watching football lately, and I can't understand why the punter – or the field goal kicker is like not the most valuable person on the team, like gets paid the most because he seems to be winning the team, the games all the time. And all too often, a, a, a field goal kicker will be, uh, will have the most points scored, like in the franchise. Of most, a, yep, of most a football of the time. Team. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Most of the time, kickers are the leading scorer on the team. Most of the time, they're leading scorers in the history. So it's a good point. And most of the time, they, and, and, and most of the time, you, you, you don't like them until you need them with two seconds left. Right. Yeah. You know, you can make fun of them all you want, but who's the guy that has more pressure than even the quarterback? Because he only gets one play. Yeah. <laughs> and he's either it. a hero or, or the zero. Yo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but <laughs> that's right. It's uh, again. I, I'm watching these field goal kickers win all these games and put all these points up, and I'm thinking, man, I, I still don't understand why the quarterback gets paid so much money versus the kicker. Because they, they take every snap. And, and they, they, go, they they take every snap. Every, and the guy goes. <laughs> Some some kid was being a little smartass to me one day, and he goes, "The quarterback gets them into position that they can kick the ball." And I went, "Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, that's whatever. True. That is true." So there you go. But, but hey, this all is the good pressure sp- we get one play. It's a good <laughs> spot for a timeout here. We're talking football, basketball, and uh, we'll talk some racing too with Brendan Gone. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, it's Mike Wallace. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle that's currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken, Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car and NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointments, or collision needs. Segment two with Brendan gone. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Brendan, we were getting you were helping us progress through your career, and then I stopped you at, uh, in the college football <laughs> days and basketball days because I'd heard a, a few little stories back when we raced together that you you, you were an all-star player. You just happened to be the shortest white guy on the team. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, so you advanced through. You talked about the coach being so instrumental in your life, so mm-hmm. that, that's wonderful to hear, and we'll have to talk about that later more in detail, but what do you do as uh, you know you're 17 about now the time we're talking or you're going to college take us from there yeah so so I'm, I'm playing sports and, and in the summers I'm still racing for Walker Evans now you remember Walker Evans Mike I mean but some of the old some of the folks at home you he's know a legend man don't. a legend right he's the legend of off-road racing and and so I was lucky enough to drive for Walker in the off-road um, won the championships when I was in high school and and started driving for Walker in his little trucks and and when I went to college, we, I, I wasn't able to race Mickey Thompson except one season because Mickey Thompson went all year long. But there was a little series in the Midwest called Core and Soda. And it was an off-road series that blew up in the late 90s, mid-90s. And Walker was there, and all of us were there. And Walker, I was driving for him. So I'd go play. I'd do college football. I'd go to college basketball. And then basketball would end. And we would race from, I'd race from basically Labor Day to Memorial Day. That was kind of the, it was a summer series in Wisconsin, and so I I started racing Walker. Well, right about that time is when the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series was founded, and it what people don't realize is it was off roaders that started the series. Um, Scoop Vessels, Walker Evans, Jim Smith, Jim Venable, they took this idea to Bill France Jr. and said, "Hey, we got this idea for trucks," and the first year in '94 was called California Super Trucks. And they raced at Bakersfield, Mesa Marin. You remember the old Mesa Marin? That yeah, was one of yeah. my favorites. And Tucson Raceway Park. Time. Yep, that place was awesome. And TRP, the Winter Heats, and, and Portland, up and, and up at the Monroe. Did a bunch of short tracks. And NASCAR bought it and became the Truck Series. So Walker's doing that. I'm, playing, I'm racing cars. I'm playing sports. And I got thrown off the football team because I had a race the same weekend as the first game. Always did. I wouldn't miss the football game. I'd go to the game. I'd leave. My father would fly me to the race. I'd race the race. I'd come home, and the coach told me to make a choice. And you want to talk about a man controlling your life. I found out 10 years later, 15 years later, John Thompson told the football coach to make me make a choice because Coach Thompson hated racing. He didn't understand me racing. He didn't like me racing. It scared him watching me race, and he thought I would choose football over racing. So he told the football coach to make me make a choice. The football coach said make a choice i said shook his hand i said thanks love you and i walked out called my dad said i guess i'm not playing football anymore and so i I found that out like 15 20 years later that coach thompson is the one that told him told him to have me make a choice wow and so coach always hated it never understood it but i kept with my racing and when i graduated Walker was one of the founding members of the truck series. And that was when you were doing it, Mike. And, and we had some, you know, that was some heydays of the truck series, man. Jack Sprague, Ron Hornerday, Mike Skinner, DEI was there, RCR, Joe Gibbs, 
you know, I mean, huge teams. Hendrick was there and Walker had a truck and he, I graduated. I, I graduated in May and Walker said, come drive this truck. And so I was like, the rowdy round thing, that stuff looks boring. You know, I mean, I wanted to go indie car racing. I was off road racing. I'm like, I'm sporty car and I'm watching this, this big brick go through the air. And I'm like, I went down and watched a couple races with Walker in Richmond and, then I started working, doing shocks for him at some races. If you can believe anybody drove a shock that I built, God rest <laughs> Butch Miller's soul. Um, you know, so you wonder why Butch didn't do very well. So, you know, I, I, that was where I started with NASCAR was just Walker in the truck series. And, and that, that's, that's how I got into NASCAR was just come drive this truck. Okay. Hold it right there. Cause I need to back you up just for a second. College. What did you go to? what did you graduate out of college with, or what did you go to college for other than to play sports? Other than sports. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a BSBA in human re, a BSBA in management specialization in human resources. Um, you know what that so is, Jeff? I, I know it's a bachelor of science. Other than that, I have no idea. Okay. I got, I got a business management degree. Okay. And okay, great. So I went to school for business, and, and that, that's what I tell kids, and Mike, you and I both know this. I tell every child that wants to race cars. I tell them they need to go to college and take four classes. One, they need to go to college and take an accounting class because you better learn how to manage your money. I don't care what you do. You don't trust other people. You manage your money first. You take a marketing class because what are we, Mike Wallace? All we are is glorified marketers. Yeah. And you're going to – I got to talk about Kodak. I got to talk about, about Jasper engines. I got to talk about whatever it is. You got to talk about those products. You take a, a management class because you need to learn how to manage yourself, manage your time, manage whatever it is you're doing. And then the fourth thing I tell them all is to take a public speaking class because you've got to be able to do those four things. If you want to be a race car driver or if you want to be a janitor, you need to do those four things. So no matter what you go to school for, those are the four courses you take. Well, you know, and that just goes to if you if you can't baffle them with brilliance, befuddle them with BS. <laughs> <laughs> right? There, and that's the improv class I took. That's perfect. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that got us back, backed up, got you out of college, what you in, give advice to young ones today about. Now you're driving, go back, you're driving for Walker Evans yep. early in. Okay, go take it from there. No, I, I did the, my first race. I never drove. I drove one late model race at the Bullring, and then I, uh, I, I drove a truck at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, the big track. Went to a test, had Ron Hornaday and Butch Miller uh, were, were, had to go to the test and, and grade me, you know, kind of say whether I was going to or not be allowed to race, and then came back for the race, made the show. And, and Mike, I, the only thing I knew about NASCAR, this I'm going to wrap myself out here, I did not know anything about NASCAR. I, play, I was IndyCar, I was open wheel, I was Formula One, I, I loved that stuff. The only name I knew, in that, I didn't even really know Dale Earnhardt, the only name I knew was awesome Bill from Dawsonville. Awesome. Bill Elliott. <laughs> that was the only guy I'd heard of. And I was like a huge Elliott fan. And, of course, Bill Elliott is racing a, a Ford truck at that race at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Really? And I, I qualify like 18th, 19th. And on lap like 12, I passed Bill Elliott. That felt and good, I called, didn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I called my crew chief other. I passed Bill Elliott. I passed Bill Elliott. <laughs> and my crew chief goes, Settle down, kids. Settle down. Take it easy. It's just, it's, you know. And the next, what I do coming off the of floor? Oh, I pancake the hell out of the side of that thing. I smack that thing into the wall. You know, boo. Come down. And I didn't know in NASCAR you keep kind of driving. I didn't, this is my first NASCAR race. 
So I come down, come down pit road. They go, what are you doing? I said, well, I hit the wall. They looked, the four tires were up, you know, it had some concrete dust in it. Slide was flat. They changed four tires. They, they said, go. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I screamed about passing Bill Elliott. And then year, a couple years later, I'm in my first cup race at Motegi, Japan. And my spotter, my spotter, who you've, you've met my spotter, Mike, his name's Batman. He was the guy that was with me forever. He's my business partner to this day. He rode in the off-road race cars with me at 15 years old. This poor dumb SOB got the short straw and had to ride with me when I was 15. And he, uh, he knew that I loved Bill Elliott and that I freaked out on him. We're at Motegi and I'm sitting there watching qualifying. You and I were in that, you were in that race too. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden I'm sitting on a milk cart in one of those things watching numbers and Bill Elliott comes next to me and puts his arm on me and says, Hey kid, how you doing? And I freak out. <laughs> oh my God, Bill Elliott, my first race and I pitch and I hit the wall and, and, and I start acting like the biggest fan geek and I just completely spaz out. And he looks at me like, Hey, all right, kid, nice day. And then taps me on the head and turns around, walks away and Holbrook had to go find him later and apologize and tell him that, uh, you know, his driver. It's so funny that you said that. And I'm so glad you did because I'm going to share a quick story with you. It was later in my career, you know, and as you mentioned, we've had up and down careers. You run good for somebody, you don't for somebody else. But like in 2000 or 2001, I got an opportunity to run a few races for Penske Racing, right? Never really been in high quality cup cars, get in that car, go to Martinsville. I lead practice. I do everything. And then like a hundred laps into the race, I drive by Jeff Gordon for the lead down the back straightaway for the lead under green and i remember keen to mike and peter suspenzo was the crew chief at that time i go hey hey i just passed the 24 car legitimately <laughs> and it made me feel so good and uh but uh that kind of echoes uh, your story he there. didn't run out of gas or anything i didn't slam the wall i ended up leading for 77 laps yeah. you know so i was exciting nope. about but that you, you get it i mean that's that's one of those things where, you know in my first race I, the only name I know is this guy, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so exciting! Yeah. And so that was that was how I started my NASCAR career was in the truck series, and then after that we uh, after that we uh, went down to the Winston West series, and I drove for Walker in the West series, and I did some truck racing, and and you know then we merged with Bill McAnally and made that the big super team on the West Coast for a little bit, won a couple championships with Bill, had the Napa Auto Parts sponsorship all those years. Uh, you and guys were big dogs trucks. out here, weren't you? Yep. Yep. On the West Coast, we were we won back-to-back championships and started running really well. And start we dabbled in trucks and and bought some trucks from old Marshall Chesrown and kind of started our our deal. And and I was Dodge's baby at the time, so we we were Dodge trucks. And and then in 2003, after winning the West West Championship for two years, we took Napa and O2 went Dodge Craftsman Truck Racing full time and. And and that that's how I started in the truck series was was just that little team out of Vegas, the old Orleans team with Bill McAnally, and and we that was that was now I'm, now I'm just driving NASCAR. So Brennan, back then when you started that little team out of Vegas, did you guys did you, was a shop in Vegas, and you guys or did was a shop on the East Coast somewhere? Nope, we were we were always in Vegas. We were at the Speedway, um, just right over Turn One. We built it right there. We put the engine shop. Kevin Croyer's the engine shop is still open to this day. Croyer Racing Engines is still right there over Turn One. And I'm not going to say that we used to use the Las Vegas Motor Speedway as our as our playground. Um, so if you remember, there was two years there was no truck race at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and those years happened to be 2000 and 2001. And the rule was you were not allowed to test at tracks you raced on. Well, guess what the truck series didn't do? 
They didn't raise Texas. Or, uh, they Vegas. didn't race in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. So we used to go out there, and we, we it was so bad, Mike, the Petty experience. I was a chief instructor for the Petty School. And the Petty experience would keep four of my tires in their rack, and Shane would literally put a radio in my car, put rounds in the front end, and I would drive out of my shop, <laughs> down the street, into the speedway. I would, put, I would grab a transponder because they had timing and scoring stuff for the Petties. I'd put it under my leg. The tire guy was a kid named Ed Hall. He would change four tires, take the rounds. That, we would write the rounds on the bars. He would take the rounds out of it. I'd go run during their breaks, 10 laps at a time, call Shane lap times. I'd take the, I'd take the timing and scoring thing, Mike, from under my leg, go across the start-finish line, hold it out the window, read the time, put it under my leg, go into turn one and call Shane and tell him the lap times. And we'd, we'd do a bunch of laps. Shane would say, you know, tell Ed to change this. We'd change it. And I'd keep on testing until they came back on track. They'd put the, the tires back on it to drive over. We'd put the rounds in it. I'd drive back to the shop. We might come back out later that afternoon. And then in, in 02, the Speedway was going to get a truck race again. We may have called the Speedway and offered them the money not to have a race. <laughs> Yeah, nothing like having your own test ground that convenient. No that was kid. perfect. Oh, yeah. no. People say, how did that team get so good that quick? It got that good because we tested. You know, we were able to go out to the bull ring. We were able to go out to the, the super speedway and just drive the piss out of things and do everything we could, and that's that's how we got that good that quick. Man, that's amazing. I, I Again, never hear stories like that, but you got good. You got really, really good and won a lot of races. What, did, what was the streak you had? Moving forward a little bit at Texas Motor Speedway. Didn't you win that race five or six four times? times in a row. Uh, four times in a row. Four times in a row, two straight years. We In 2001, I went with, and you might remember, remember Todd Myers? Yep. He had that team called TKO. Yep. It was out of Texas. We used to call it Todd's Kids and Orphans. <laughs> um, Todd called me to drive that truck in 2001, and we finished second behind Sprague. And... My first time at Texas, finished second, had a great run. It was a, a great day. And then in 02, what we used to do is we'd go down to – did you ever race – Texas World Speedway, did you race there, Mike, I no? never did. I, I Honestly, I visited that racetrack many, many years ago. My brother, Rusty, ran a USAC race. That's how long okay. ago it was. I went there to help him. That was when in the A.J. Foyt days, Roger yep. McCluskey, all those, uh, you know, back in the day, USAC stars used to run it. Yep. Huge track. I mean, big, massive two-mile track. I mean, you know, a la California and Michigan. I mean, big, big place. Mm -hmm. And uh, we used to go to Texas World Speedway. We'd take 19 sets of tires. And back then, remember, we used to keep our tires. Glad remember, to see you were on a budget. <laughs> well, but, so so here, was the, here was the trick. I drove for Goodyear for Walker Evans. I, and remember, nobody in NASCAR had Goodyear contracts. Your brother was part of that Goodyear 5. But we didn't have good NASCAR contract, Goodyear contracts in NASCAR because everybody had to pay for their stuff. Well, I had a Goodyear contract from off-road racing, so I got a deal on tires. And then back then, remember, remember Cup Tire Management and all those groups where we could get tires for cheap. Yep, yep, yep. And you got to and you got to keep all your tires. So if you only did ten laps on a set of tires, you kept them. Well, we take every tire we saved all year long, and at Texas World, all you got was nine laps out of them, three three lap runs. That's all you could get. Didn't matter if they were a sticker or, or scuff. And we go down there every time and we test for two days before every Texas race. And just little team, not a full time engineer. Remember Clyde Booth, the engineer? I do, yep. Certainly. Clyde Booth was was a part time engineer for me. He just would come with, with a test plan 
and we'd go down there with all the things he wanted to try, and we'd spend two days doing aero, real world, you know, no wind tunnels, no sims, just real world and a stopwatch. And we'd go up to Texas and then wear them out. Yeah, you definitely laid numbers on the ground there, and that was a lot of testing. So. That's cool. We'll take a time out here, come back, talk some more with Brendan Gone. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR <clears throat> with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace is teaming up with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard to save you money on your vehicle purchase. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle in stock. Hey, Mike, there's a landing page online with all the info you need to take advantage of this offer. FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. You can view inventory and more. You can even listen to any of the 80-plus episodes of Fast Car to NASCAR while there. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. Going round and round with Brendan Gone. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Brendan, you're a little, as you call, a little team out of Las Vegas did some amazing stuff. And when I say amazing, all the testing you did and all the capabilities you had, uh, you utilized it to the fullest. And your performance on your truck team showed up. And uh, so how, how did you go from the trucks? What was your next progression? Because, man, you, I mentioned as well, before we started this show, you, you're always full of humor. I love being around you. You remind me of my little brother, Kenny, because you're excited, charged up all the time and I told Jeff at the start, if you don't have a good time around Brendan, it's your own fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you're just in always good mood. So where do you take it from there? Now, you, because the truck series, you were dead serious. I mean, you might have did it for fun, but you acted dead serious when you were at the racetrack. Well, I mean, look, I, just, you, you know, just because, just like me and Kenny, just because we have fun doing it doesn't mean that we don't take it serious. You know, and, and that's, I can, I can smile and have a good time and still be dead serious when I'm racing. Um, and that was, you know, that we own that team. It was our, our little fiefdom that we had. We won rookie of the year in 02. We had that championship, the famous year in 03 with your old buddy, you know, the, the, the old ultra motorsports team. Uh, that was your and, buddy, Jim Smith. Now, come on. I remember that race. I remember your comments after that. <laughs> so, so the good news is I don't remember that, that whole week I got hit so hard after Refner Refner hit me so hard. I've, I've honestly, I've finally watched the race for the first time, like five, six years ago. And I kind of remember some of it. Um, but uh, you know we I we, feel so we for almost you. won. Let me explain that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he was going to win yeah. a championship, is what it was. Oh no, kid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, we we were fast, and listen, if we were going to win the championship, we would have. You know, a lot of people should have won championships and almost did. That's why you raced to the last lap. But we, uh, so we we had that rookie of the year in '02 with 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 Napa. In '03, we had the Orleans Dodge and a couple other sponsors, and we we you know came close to winning that championship. And I got the call midway through that year. 
uh, or not midway, near the end of that year, um, Roger Penske wanted to talk to me. And you, you, you talked about that call you had, right? I mean, when the captain calls, that's a pretty impressive deal. And growing up with Emerson Fittipaldi and Rick Mears and all the stuff, that was a legend to me. And I got this phone call that Roger was buying a, a, a team, the Jasper Engines folks, the 77, and Kodak, and they wanted to, to hire me to go drive for them. Wow, and, what a great call that was. And, yeah, I mean, it, like, I kind of was like, wait, you're kidding me, right? I mean, that was a was kind of surreal moment, right, to go. I mean, I'm going to get to drive for Roger Penske. And the, it's, it, we got, got the deal done right before Homestead. We, I knew I was going to go to Penske to the Kodak car for next year. You know, you had to keep that stuff quiet type thing. Um, went to Iraq and then came back. And when I was driving for Kodak, go to Daytona to test for my very first Daytona 500 in, in the Kodak Dodge for Roger Penske. And, I mean, it was just a, a dream come true type thing. Absolutely amazing. And my daddy and I have an old statement. You know, everybody always says all the glitters is gold, right? Well, my dad, my dad's always been a little bit more of a pessimist on things. And my dad has always said since we were little, all the glitters is shit. <laughs> and because when you know, if it ain't not not to poke on Daryl Waltrip and later in his career, but if it ain't fast, chrome it. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it we, we all this stuff, everything was it was just like this thing that looked so amazing. And I looked at my dad right before I went out the door, and I said, "Hey, Dad, all the glitters." And he goes, "No, nah, Beezers, it's Roger Penske. You'll be good." <laughs> and as we got there, you know, things got, we had some good runs. We, we had a, a solid top 10 finish, almost top five at California to start the season. You know, they had buddy Baker helping me. Um, Rodney Childers was my car chief. You know, I mean, Kevin Kidd of, at Roush racing. Now their head engineer there was, was our engineer. We had some great people and had some great, you know, great stuff going Kodak, amazing paint schemes. Um, I had your brother as my teammate. And let me tell you something, that was during the Ryan Newman-Rusty Wallace feud. So, <laughs> you know, I, was, I, I went to the first test. Mike, you'll get a kick out of this. I went to the first test. You know me. I don't know springs and shocks. I didn't come from this world. I tell Shane, loose, tight, where it's tight, where it's loose, what it's doing, how it's feeling. And Shane made the adjustments. And I learned little bits of things I liked. But I didn't know, like your brother, like you guys, like the Wallace family. We go to uh, Rockingham for a test. And my car absolutely sucked. You ready for this? This is 2004. I'm driving a banjo center section. Banjo center section? Yes. Wow. The center section of that car is a banjo Matthews car. That's an I'm old not car. Sure what your, I'm not <laughs> sure what, what your banjo stopped building, maybe mid-90s. Yeah. But the car I had was a, was a banjo Matthews car. And I'm driving for Roger Penske in a banjo Matthews car. Something isn't right here. Right. I, this car would not work for, to save your life. We're making changes, and Rusty comes over in the middle of this, and I knew that Rusty was going to want to know information from us because of the whole Newman thing. So he walks up to me, and he goes, hey, man, that change looked like it helped your car. What what'd you do? I said, oh, Rusty, we took those blue front springs out and put the red ones in. <laughs> and he looks at me and goes, listen, you little punk. I'm go, don't, well, I already got one of you that's going to do you know." And he starts, like, berating me while I'm in the car. And I'm like, no, sir, I, I swear that's – you know." And, and Shane goes, Rusty, Rusty, come here. No, no, he, he, here's what we did. We're not trying to hide it from you. It, he didn't know. So Rusty used to get so mad at me, Mike, that for the rest of the year, every time I walked into the track, Shane would have to write the old T on my hand, my four springs, my bars, 
and my air pressures. <laughs> so that way, when your brother would come ask me, because he was going to come talk to me, I'd have to, oh, yeah, Rusty, no, no, we're starting today with that uh, 1155 right rear. Well, and I'm looking down at my hand, you know, every time I'm talking to him to get to get my, my springs and shocks and numbers. And Oh, good boy, good boy. That's that day, that, that test, your brother had the fastest, your, and your brother was amazing at Rockingham. We all know that. He says, this is the best car I've ever had here at Rockingham. And he says, get in and drive it. And I go, pardon? Rusty Wallace just said, this is the best car he's had at Rockingham. And then he wants me to drive it? And I'm you know, a little nervous there. But I also drove for Walker Evans, and, and I wasn't afraid to drive anything. Well, your brother and I are at the same height. I didn't care. I had the seatbelts loose. We put a couple towels behind my back to push me forward, and I had to switch hips to hit the brake to the gas. I did 15 laps. I got a tenth faster than your brother. Almost wrecked the shit out of his blue deuce. <laughs> and after I went a tenth faster than him, Almost spun it out, saved it, brought it in. He said, good job, kid. Now get back in your car. (laughs) Get out of my car. I I was always proud that I was able to, to, you know, your brother said best car he's ever had. I didn't fit in it, had the seatbelts loose, and was able to be a tenth faster than him in ten laps. And then, you know, I always knew I could do it. But that year, judging by the Banjo Matthews center section, was not quite, it was all that glitters. Yeah, And so, but I still tell everybody this day, Roger Penske was a great man to me. <laughs> Met one of the greatest human beings that year, uh, Doug Bobble from Jasper. Engine, I talked to Doug Bobble the other family. day, believe it or not. I love that man. We have the same birthday, July 10th. Oh, do you really? And, yep. So, I mean, we just amazing. Once again, amazing things came out of something that wasn't great. Find the positive in life. I've always tried to do that. And the year wasn't great, but you know what? Great people. I got to drive for Roger Penske. I got to drive for Kodak. You know, and and that was still amazing things to this day, and then I moved on from there. Beautiful, nice story. So, where do you go from there after you go that the well, seventy-seven car? To our, yeah, I went back to our truck series team, and that was now it was started to be a struggle. Rules had changed, and Shane wasn't there anymore, and and we had Steve Park win a race for us, so that was kind of nice. And then went back to a one truck team, and just a, a big ugly struggle. Things got bad family wise on ownership. We had a guy in charge that I'll, I'll leave his name out, but right now, if, if he walked in front of me, I probably would go to jail for 25 to 30 okay. for what I do to him. Wow! And and so we things I'll went bad. I'll simplify that. He was a real shit bum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things things went bad, um, but once again, finding the bright side. Met a man named Brian Berry, who became my crew chief, and we closed that team down at the end of the 07 season, and uh, went to go drive for the old Circle Bar Racing Team. The Mitchell family out of Ozona, Texas, great group. Last second deal, made the deal over Christmas, sitting in Colorado after I threatened to sue my dad. For, and, <laughs> threatened and, to sue your dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, had him serve with papers, and my mom had him serve with divorce papers, and so I, that way I could have 50% of the race team because he was – he it, it was it – was, let's just say dark, dark days, Mr. Wallace. We don't talk about the 05 to 07 years. Those just wow. disappear into obscurity. And, and then went to drive for Circus Bar and, you know – tried to just keep things going and then got to a place that I, one of the two, one of the, my three happiest places I ever drove on a race team. When I went to Rusty Wallace racing, got to drive with Rusty five hour energy. Uh, you know, South point was on it for a little bit, five hour. Some of the great sponsors your brother had got to be with your nephew, Steve, and really had a great time driving for your brother. If we, we didn't do great finished, I think like 11th, 12th in the championships a couple of years, but had more fun there than I've had, than I'd had in about four or five years. So it was needed. What made that fun? You're, you know what? 
your brother made it fun, you know, just because being, I always liked, he was such a great man to me and, and being around, I love being around Steve, but people can say what they want. I, I, I love being around Stephen Wallace. He is really, really uh, just, I did, I was not on the boat at two in the morning, bow fishing um, with him. Let me, let me get that straight. But <laughs> you know, I just, I had a, I had a great time there. Great people. Some of the best crew crew members we've ever had. Scott Honan, who's still uh, the, the interior guy now for Chase Elliott and Brian Barry was there. Brad Parrott was my crew chief for a little bit. You know, my guy, Harley Roush, who's still with me today. Harley Roush came with me all the way from Bill McAnally in 1999. He's still with me to this day. He's my security, but my line of security blanket and just had fun. You five hour energy was a lot of fun. You know, being around there was, was just a, a great time. Didn't do great with the race cars, did well, not great. And, and then moved to another team that just kind of ended up in a disaster, went to Jermaine racing right after that. And that was a tough year driving for Toyota. thought it was going to be great. Todd coming off a championship. They went from a two truck team to a five truck team. And, just timing in life, right? You and I know about Got that. that t-shirt. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Been there, done that, bought yep. that one and moved on. And, and timing is, is where you, you know, timing is such a key thing and missed the timing on that. Went there during a bad year and then, then made one of the most crucial decisions ever. I was going to drive. i talked to Richard Childress about driving for him in 2011. And right before we signed a deal with Richard, he had signed John West Townley and I looked at Richard and I said, I love you, sir, but I'm going to let you do the uh, Johnny Wow era and I'm going to go somewhere else for a minute because I think you're going to have your hands full. <laughs> <laughs> and, and God rest Johnny Wow. Um, you know, it, but he, uh, it, it, I think Phoenix, I think the third race of the year, he went through seven race cars one weekend, <laughs> like two ARCA car, West cars, whatever they called them that year. Yeah. Two West cars, two trucks, one Bush car, and then they threw him out and had Clint Boyer drive the race car for him. Um, yeah, he, it was, a, so I, I waited, but in 2012, I took a step back. I went part-time and I said, I want to either be a race car driver and make this shit work or I'm done. And I said at RCR, I can do that in their trucks and their Xfinity cars nationwide at the time. And Richard gave me a deal where I drove like four cup races, uh, uh, 10 truck races and seven, eight Xfinity races. And I think of the 18 truck and Xfinity. I was top 10, uh, 12 of them, maybe 13 had four or five top fives in it and said, I can still do this stuff. And then we went back full time and I rounded out my career with Richard. Outstanding. Outstanding. Nice, nice team to finish your career with. Tell me if I'm right or not. And I was thinking about things as driving up here today, when you won road America, right? I got mm -hmm. the race track. Wasn't yep. that in honor of your grandfather? What didn't he just pass at that time? He or had just passed away. Yeah. Um, so my grandfather died right before the Bristol race in April. And so my grandpa, who was, was so special to many people in Las Vegas and, and me and you know, me more so, I put his name on the door. I never I never won an Xfinity race with my name on a race car. I put my grandfather's name on the door for the rest of the year. Oh really? And and then we won like the fourth race. That was in that was in July, I think, that year. And it was only like five or six races since he had passed. And we well, won my first Xfinity race. And and that was a very special deal because had Grandpa's name on the door, and and had a lot of things going on in life behind the scenes. You know, life happens behind the scenes, whether you're smiling in front of the camera or not. Life continues. 
and had a lot of things going on and got that win. And it was a man, it was a much needed win. It, it was one of those things where, you know, that feeling, Mike, where finally something goes right and you take that deep breath and go, Oh, thank God. You never know when it's going to be or when it's going to end. Cause it, you never know when, which one's going to be your last. Yeah, oh, and yeah. It was, that's the one thing that's, uh, that's hard to determine. When's is going to be your last win? Yep. Right? You know, you always so think that you're was, good enough and your program is good enough that there will never be a last one, but there always is. Nope. Yeah. You never think of it as your last, but all of a sudden, one of those is your last. Yeah, you know, and it's so, uh, to compare that just a little bit. Sometimes I'd like to share stories with people I've competed against. You know, you talk about that, and yep. I thought my career was over, and I had an opportunity to drive for Kevin Harvick one race. I went and run Talladega, and I won the race nice. in the truck. You know, Hornaday was second, yeah. and it was. Uh, I set that trophy still sits in my dresser in my bedroom because every morning I get up if I want a positive thing to think about. It's like that was it. We, my wife there and I, were is. supposed to go on vacation that week, and uh, Chrissy ran the ARCA race the week before, and Harvey calls ends up we make the deal, and so I took her to that exotic wild paradise, and that was the infield of Talladega. Talladega. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, that's class, right. That's what Chris baby. was racing. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think I think you guys had set a record. One of those deals where you had a, uh, you had your daughter, you, and I think Kenny raced in one of those races at the same time or something. Yeah, we, we or, went to or, Talladega and we were the first father daughter to ever compete. Yep. Yeah, it was remember great. Remember that one. Great well, spot for a timeout. We'll come back. Do the final segment. What do yeah, you say? Yeah. Right. We're talking to Brendan Gaughan. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, it's Jeff Kent. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off new or used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. A couple of more laps here with Brendan Gone. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Brendan, you know, we're talking about you winning there with your grandfather's name on the race car. What what a memorable experience that was, memorable, a tribute to, to your grandpa. So how how is it you said there was things going on behind the scenes, which we don't need to get into that, but how how did your career end up in the race world? How did you come to the point that you finally said, I, I think I'm gonna go go back to Vegas and hang out there? No, so you know, RCR was great to me. We were running great, won a couple races that year and kept on racing and then you know, I knew, I knew it was winding down, right? I, I, Morgan Shepard wasn't racing anymore and Derek Cope, and I was the oldest guy in every race I entered. <laughs> oh, <wow>. so, so <laughs> never, I, never expected you to use that for a scenario before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, remember, I remember the first race. I looked at the entry, and I go, wait a second. And I look, and I go, son of a bitch, I'm the oldest guy in this field. <laughs> we need Morgan like, Shepard. What, when did I go from the, the kid? Yeah, I mean, when did I go from the kid to this guy? I'm like, oh, my God. So... Uh, you know, 2016, I was like, eh, maybe this might be the last year. We had a good run. We made it to the round of eight in the playoffs, and things were going good. And then in the middle of 16, I started to set some stuff. I, I started City Light Shine, the moonshine company that I own today. 
And the old NASCAR official, Mike Dolan, you remember Mike Dolan sure, from Truck Series yeah. and Xfinity all years? Dolan allegedly, Mike allegedly, made great moonshine. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't know, of course. And, but we decided to start a moonshine company out in Vegas. And, and we, I said, you know what? I told my dad, I said, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty much done. 2017 going to be my last year. Let's just let, – I'm, I'm happy. Let's go – let's do one year. I'm going to put City Light Shine on the race car a bunch, try to advertise my little liquor company, and we're going to call it a day. And at the same time I'm making that decision at the end of 2016, a man named Mark Beard calls me. Yeah. And okay. out of the blue, Jay, Jay, actually, let me rephrase that. Jay Robinson calls me, and let me tell you how it's conversation with Jay Robinson goes, Mike. Jay, how you doing, man? No. What do you want? <laughs> and and I love Jay. Jay was a great, nice guy. I mean, I, I, but, but I always said no and then asked him what he wanted. And he said he has this guy. And I go, oh, listen, I'm, I'm not interested in Cup anymore. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm getting ready to retire, you know. So I talked to this Mark Beard guy, and I told him no the entire month of January. And then he starts telling me what race car he had bought. And I go, that's not a car he's allowed to have. And I called the RCR you know, chassis shop, and they go, yeah, he's not allowed to have that car. That's a good car. Like, it's a real you – know, and, Mike, you and I know this. There's, there's cars, and there's good cars. Right. <laughs> Especially the Daytona Talladega and Cup. And, and it was a car he wasn't allowed to own. And I'm like, huh. So then he says he's buying this motor, and he told me what he was spending on the motor, and I go, wait a second. Once again, another thing you and I are familiar with. Which motor program are you on? <laughs> and so I, I called Richie Gilmore, and I said, hey, you know this Beard character? He's, he goes, oh, yeah, no, he's paying for the, for the A motor. And I, he goes, why? I said, well, he's asking me to drive for him. And he goes, hold on. And they moved two motors around, and he goes, oh, yeah, no, he's getting a good motor. Wow. You know, RCR, ECR love me. And I go, oh. So I told the man, I said, listen. I'm not cheap. I don't want a race cup. And I said, but you want me to do it? I said, here's what I'll do. And I, I threw out a number that I, I told him I'd do it for free. I'm only going to work for purse. And you and I both know Daytona is the purse you want to race for. Right. That's, that's the one you want. <laughs> and so I, I told the man that I'm not cheap. If I miss the show, you don't pay me a dime. But Richard, at that point, was going to help take care of that car. It was a race team that had one employee. And so Richard took the car into the shop and they set it up for me and they did all the stuff and the guy built it and brings it in and learned how to massage it. And we had engineers from RCR help. We're this little team that would overachieve because, you know, we had a little hidden help. And the, but I told the guy, if you're going to pay me, I want to take, you know, 50% of the purse. Mm -hmm. And he goes, okay. And I went, shit. I didn't expect him to say yes to that. (laughs) (laughs) So once I said yes to the man, you know, I got a man of my word. You got to do it. And I'll tell you what, I'm blessed that I did to this day because the Beard family has become super close to me. Matter of fact, their daughter, Amy, just walked down the aisle, just got married uh, three weeks ago. My kids were ring bearers in her wedding, and I walked Mrs. Beard out of the wedding um, down the aisle because Mr. Beard has passed. And so really got lucky. They they extended my career more than I thought. I thought I'd just finish up with Richard, have my little liquor company, go back to the casinos. And because of the Beard family, I was able to get four more years – Got about four more, six more top tens in my career because of them, and almost won a bunch of races. Uh, came close to winning Daytona and Talladega three or four times with them. So you know what? Got a little bonus career, Mike. Yeah, you know, like like that Kevin Harvick race. Yeah, the that, one you don't expect. You don't expect in that, and you got you know I, I'm kind of compliment you for that whole beard thing because you ran good. You got a lot of exposure for the team and the organization. You did good for them. I mean that was a. I remember all that stuff. I remember hearing about it, watching it. So uh, 
Congratulations on the extended nope, career. That was way cool. That was that was like the Harvard thing. It's just a little little bonus time, and and ended up with a great note with them. Had the flip at Talladega that people still love that I landed on the wheels and you know kept going and just just loved loved the Beard family, loved what I did, and then came home and I I tell people I screwed up retirement more than any human being you've ever met <laughs> because. The liquor company I got, then the liquor company turned into a – I got a chemical company and a Justice Brothers distributorship. Justice Family was one of my first sponsors at 15. And really? They were, looking, they were looking for a new distributor in Vegas, and I said, I'll do it. And so somehow I made another mistake and did that, and now I've got a coffee company. I've got two casinos for my family that I run in Mesquite, Nevada. Uh, I've, I don't know what I'm doing. Matter of fact, I'm sitting here, and the guy that – my one-man army at the distillery at City Light Shine, Casey – He's sitting here right now waiting for me to get done with this because we got a bunch of work out here to selling liquor down here to do. So he's he's, go, he's looking at me going, I'm tired of hearing about you. <laughs> well, no, it's all about you. That, did, tell him the whole world's hearing about you right now. And we want to know more about City Light Shine. Yeah, tell, tell, tell us about it, Brennan. So City Light Shine is the, is the moonshine that allegedly Mr. Dolan may have, you know, made back in the day. And we basically took it and brought it out to Vegas. We, we put the stills here in Vegas. We built it all right here, and we uh, we make a little moonshine company out of here, and it's it it's been a labor of love. Let me tell you, it's it's been a lot of work. We're we're starting to turn some corners. Things are starting to get better, um, and and putting Casey in charge of me and in charge of the distillery is what's really helped me the most because now I go to the the other side and Casey calls me and goes, "Hey, jerk, get over here. You got stuff to do." Jerk. So he, was that Mister Jerk yelled, or just jerk? <laughs> That's right. He he yells at me a lot. It's just jerk. He doesn't say Mister Jerk. No, no. He he yells at me an awful lot. But we uh, we go back and forth and and run that. And then the chemical company, you know, during COVID, the distillery was was it was a little times were tough during COVID. But I owned a chemical company during COVID. Kemp, times were not tough. You you were doing so, good there, huh? Yeah, I, that once again, timing in life, Mike. An accident. Okay. Just just like most things in life. We had a problem in the distillery. We were told by professionals to to throw it away, forty thousand dollars, and start over with this part. And this guy was selling carpet cleaning chemicals next door. Walked in our building and said, "I can fix that." And I got pissed at him and called him everything under the you know, get out of my office, you blah blah blah, because I was just told it was unfixable. And he fixed it within thirty minutes. Wow! And I I sent him down to the hotel to sell chemical. The hotel said it was too expensive, but the best thing they ever saw. He came. Now he knows who I am and knows what I do. He came back to me and said, "Buy my company." And I looked at him and laughed and saw the numbers. And we tested all this stuff out in our kitchens here at the South Point, And I bought his company. And so I, I ended up with a with basically uh, this chemical company. And, and and once again, timing in life. Right after this, I'm it's doing well. We're growing with this chemical company. Everything's going well with it. And then next thing you know, COVID happens. And and COVID was. For chemicals, it was a huge thing. I already had sanitizers and disinfectants and all those sorts of deals that, you know, had to we had to go through. And next thing you know, this company went from 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 a six figure revenue to a seven figure revenue overnight, and it's going well. Wonderful, wonderful. So, so we need some we need some shine and we need some hand sanitizer. Yeah, isn't this when you call it? <laughs> Well, I, I thought he was going to lead into the shine turned into the sanitizer because I think some distilleries or breweries or something, they, did. they, they ended up making hand, si- san- hand sanitizer out of, the out of alcohol. They, they did. They did, and, and that's what most sanitizer is, and I did not sell alcohol sanitizer. I sell the other one, 
and we discussed it during COVID because the distillery was doing so bad. And one of the greatest decisions we ever made was not doing that because it closed a lot of distilleries. Did it really? They well, they spent a bunch of money trying to you know make money on it, and it glutted the market, and everybody got stuck, and a lot of guys closed. So so you know, are we to understand too? Then the the original recipe for City Light Shine came from the hills of North Carolina. Is that what you're telling me? I am telling you that it allegedly came from Wilkes County <laughs> and the hills of North Carolina. Um, well, we I'm know some players. Say, I'm an NASCAR driver that's. I'm a NASCAR driver that's making moonshine. I'm a bad cliche for that, you know, and we're doing it legally, which I think Junior Johnson and some of the old guys are, are turning to their graves See, looking every, at me going. Everything comes 360, right? Everything's full circle. Yeah. So, that's so, what we got. Shine business. so somebody wants to know a little bit about City Shine. Where do they find? Is there a website out there that they can? Yeah, City Light, citylightshine.com. We, C- we got our website. You can buy it online even. Citylightshine.com. Yep. Okay. And that's, that's, that's where it's at. And. And we got 11 different flavors now, only six for sale commercially, but we have 11 different flavors we make, and, and we, uh, we do a lot of private label stuff. That's what's been, been a big bone for us, private labels in Las Vegas for slot promotions for our casinos, other casinos. Um, do a lot of private labels for some race series and stuff like that. So love the private label stuff. We do a lot of that. Beautiful. Hey, hopefully we will extend, if you don't mind, if you could extend another minute or two with us. But tell, I have to get to this because it's such a big deal. And you are, your family is Vegas. It's all Vegas. You know, everything you know about the Gone family, it's like old Vegas, new Vegas combined. But you love racing. You mentioned you love F1 mm-hmm. racing. Early in the, in the conversation, you said that. So there's an F1 race, I understand. Oh, yeah. Coming to Las Vegas. Is it a big deal, as big as everybody's talking about it being? It's, it's going to be in the end. I think they've screwed up, honestly, right now, Mike. They, they did what L.A. did for the Olympics in the 80s. They did what Hong Kong did for their changeovers. They thought there was all this money to be made, and they went after it and got greedy. Okay. Um, hotels were charging 10000 a night. Tickets were 3000 a ticket. You know, I mean, they went all this stuff, and as we're sitting here in the in the third week of October, hotel occupancy is 18% in town, and the ticket sales are at 15%. Oh, really? Um, so it's, it's, so it's not a, not as big at the end as it, it all hyped out to well, be right at the moment. The, the problem is, Mike, there's only so many people with that much money. Right. You know, I mean, yes, Formula One has a lot of those people, but but Vegas has has <clears throat> has something like 65,000 hotel rooms that, that you can't sell 65,000 hotel rooms at five thousand seven thousand dollars a night you know that's crazy you know, said that because somebody said why don't we go to the f1 race i says man i, I can't afford it from what i'm hearing yeah, I, I just i, I says no, somebody you can't now out, we'll, we'll go you races, know? prices are going down now are because they? now they're, they're realizing it and so they're starting to try to sell them but look formula one spent 220 million dollars right now building this paddock area that they own and they they've the city has spent you know close to seven i think it's close to 700 million right now on repaving roads and building these temporary bridges into the casinos that are on the island that you can't get to. And it's, it's definitely spectacular to look at. Um, I just went down the strip for the first time and it's a mess right now, but the fountains are closed because there's grandstands over the fountains at the Bellagio. It's absolutely phenomenal what they've done. And I've seen a lot of things in this town. This is pretty impressive. I'm hoping that this year they just, they finally realize, oops. And next year they put it where everybody can finally come to the race because it's pretty impressive looking. Great. Hey, one final thing, because I assume you would be the guy that knows. Gambling on NASCAR races. Yes. Didn't know nothing about it. 
went back a year or two ago to run a race at Indianapolis, had to sign this multi-page form for NASCAR saying I won't gamble on a race and all that. Is that a good deal or a bad deal or what? What's that scenario like? Since no, uh, it's great. It, it's great. NASCAR has most upside. I mean, look, satur- NFL already is saturated, right? Baseball, everybody already has been doing that. NASCAR has a huge upside because gambling is becoming more and more knowledgeable on it and prevalent on it. I do a show on a, on the Veasan Network that is a, a gambling and NASCAR show. Where's um, that? Stop right there. Where, what's the show you do? Tell everybody it's about on it. V- it's called Gone Racing, and it's on the Veasan Network right now. Okay. And Veasan was a network that was uh, invented by Brett, Brett Musburger. Um, was based just in the South Point back in the day. Now it's grown, and DraftKings owns it. But we do basically a NASCAR betting, not fantasy, NASCAR betting. And we get. By the way, this year, Mike, uh, I'm up 48 units on my picks for the year. I've had a stellar year. Sure. But and it's 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 a big deal. You know, NASCAR has a huge upside. I wish I could. They keep making bad decisions on these people they hire that they think are going to help them in these worlds. And it's, it's asinine that NASCAR doesn't come to me and my father and say, hey, help us, because we've been with NASCAR so long, but that's their own thing. Um, they keep getting morons. But So, if I so can what get you're saying, you, w- you would help NASCAR if they came to you? Well, we've offered it to them, but they, okay. other people come with these big fancy – we don't come with a, with a PowerPoint and all these fancy things. We just tell you – we just do. We just do. They show, we do. Gotcha. And, but it's, it, it definitely has an upside. It's definitely getting bigger. Handles are still very small. There's no risk of any sort of betting scandal in NASCAR, which is the great thing. And so we, uh, we just got to keep chugging away and get TV to kind of buy in this a little more. And it's going to help us get eyeballs, help get sponsors. And there's, gambling is a great thing for the sport of NASCAR. It's going to be the next great, uh, great boost we get when they get it right. Great. Rich is holding a note up here at the window at me. Is there any truth, and I think I brought this to Rich a few weeks ago. We were talking about gambling. Is there any truth that because of gambling, the mysterious cautions have disappeared in NASCAR, do you believe? No, that has nothing to do with gambling. The mysterious cautions disappeared because they started stage breaks and they didn't need to throw mysterious cautions anymore. (laughs) Okay. Well, we just heard it live. I mean, I like it. Hey, Rich, what I told you a few weeks ago, nothing to it, buddy. Well, Brennan, man, I appreciate the time you've given us. I, uh, I'll, I'll say it like this. Is there anything you want to plug? You need to tell anybody about anything you're doing or got going? We got the city no, shine out there. We, we got to do all the stuff on here. I just want to plug to how much I appreciate the Wallace family. Jeff, thank you for having me on. And I just, uh, you know, I, my least, I, I got to tell you, I'm not the guy that likes to talk about himself this much. So uh, only for a Wallace would I do something like this one. So I appreciate it. And, Thank you for having me, and honored honored to go down memory lane with you. Yeah, it was great. It was exciting. We could do it for a long time. Maybe we'll get you to come back on some other time, and uh, we'll come hang out at the South Point someday with you. That sounds fun. Hey, when you I, know, I want to when say, I do that. I, I'm when gonna, I do that, I'll tell the story of driving your uh, Daytona winning truck at Myrtle Beach. <laughs> I want to plug this one spot though. Talking about the South Point, his father has the greatest superb restaurant <laughs> in there called Michael's. Oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of like you don't see it. And it's got this. Hidden door. door. And uh, my son-in-law, his father, uh, Tom Van Wingern, who's no longer with us, Mr. Gone made it that we could go in one night, a group of us. We were out here for Thomas's bachelor party. And he's traveled the world, right? He's traveled all around the world. He said that is absolutely the finest dining facility and food he's ever been to in the world. No so, kidding. Wow, that's great. Yeah, congratulations to Dad and Michaels. We appreciate it. Top five restaurant in the country. Only one in Vegas ever to get it. Thank like you. Love it. Thank you.
Brendan Gaughan, thank you for your time today. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media.